And I'm thinking of it kind of like as a, this like master database, which stores all these assets of yours. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's also comparable to some kind of wallet. Like you have your purse and you have your money in there, but now you also have your house in there. Welcome to the Cardano Source Podcast. I'm your host, Blaine Edwards, and on this weekly podcast, I catch up with a range of Cardano innovators, thought leaders, and changemakers who are using Cardano to make an impact within the world of cryptocurrency and beyond. And as Charles Hoskinson puts it, we are Cardano. And if you'll permit us, we'd like to change the world. If that sounds like you, then make sure to subscribe, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome everyone to the Cardano Source podcast. I'm your host, Blaine Edwards. And today we are joined by, let me try and get this right, Quirin Schlegel. Uh, for those who are active in the Project Catalyst space, you may be familiar with Quirin's uh, decentralized accounting proposal, uh, which recently uh, received funding from the recent uh, Fund Fund 3, I believe. Uh, so both, firstly, congrats on the funding. That's pretty awesome. And secondly, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's a um, very great experience to be in the whole industry and now to uh, be with you and um, to produce this podcast. And a bit about me. So um, my name is uh, Kirin Schlegel, as I was um, introduced. And I am a student here in Berlin for the Technical University, TU Berlin. And I study information systems management, which is basically computer science and economics. And that brings me directly to the proposal uh, and the project I have right now. Okay, so um, you got a presentation? Yeah, exactly. Okay. I have a presentation and I can give you a bit more of an introduction into accounting, which, may, which makes everything a bit easier to understand for someone who is a novice to the accounting space. Generally, when you speak about accounting, you have to differentiate between the actual accounting and the bookkeeping part. So the accounting part um, is about measuring the success of a company and measuring different kinds of parameters of a company and also to process this information and then to use it as information to communicate to certain stakeholders outside of the company and maybe inside of the company. And this is what you typically would refer to as accounting. And then this uh, has a subset, a subsidiary, a subsidiary mm -hmm. or like a, a partner, which is the actual bookkeeping. And this is the method, the technique of how to record financial transactions and all of the technical stuff the low level stuff. And this is um, typically used in a model and a method that's called double entry bookkeeping. I will quickly elaborate on double entry bookkeeping. You can see there are like three main parts of the double entry bookkeeping. The first and most important part is the accounting equation, which means that all assets of a company have to be uh, all the whole capital and the whole and all of the liabilities combined. So that I don't have more than I own in a way. Mm -hmm. okay. Just put it in more words. The next part is uh, transactions. Transactions have two sides, the so-called credit and the debit side, but these are technicalities and we won't go much into that. And also we have accounts. Accounts are basically the, the backbone of the accounting system where you have accounts in which you store the value of the good you or the asset you have. And there are different kinds of accounts uh, which are relevant for accounting in the 
standard models like it is defined in IFRS. And these you can see on the right side, on the right side here. And I won't go much further into them because that's all technicalities. So now I want to quickly touch on the balance sheet. The balance sheet basically uh, lists all of the assets and ownership or capital and liabilities in the form of the accounts, which are also in the double entry bookkeeping method. And on the right side, you can see on the first, in the first part, like a small, simple balance sheet with um, assets on the left side and capital and liabilities on the right side. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just chose some random assets here, like real estate, a machine, asset Y, uh, and ADA holdings. And all of these assets have a value, which is stored in the account. And then all of these accounts are summed up, mm -hmm. and they make the sum of the balance sheet. And this sum yeah. has to equal with um, the whole capital and liability part on the other side. So you have the accounting equation being uh, satisfied. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing describes a company's financial state. And pretty much everyone in the financial industry can see one of those and get some idea of what this company does and what it looks like and how it's structured. And also it is uh, in Germany, it is posted annually. Uh, I think there are also bi-quarterly, no, like quarterly um, releases, but that's different on every country. Mm -hmm. And as you can see, it has a standardized format. So everywhere where on the world, it is pretty much the same. And it is created using a protocol, the double entry bookkeeping protocol and method mm -hmm. that ensures that it's always correct and it is um, verifiably correct. And um, one of the main devices in that double entry bookkeeping are these transactions, which you can see in the middle. This is a a prototypical um, transaction, which refers to the sale of the given machine and the asset for ADA in this instance, at least. So you can see in the account on the very bottom that ADA Holdings initially had $100. Then um, machines and assets for a total of $100 were sold. And now this is in the account ADA Holdings. And in the end, ADA Holdings has a sum of what, 200. So that's it. That's the magic of accounting. And it's very important to have this when you have a very complex environment with many accounts and many complex um, interdependencies. That makes sense. Yeah. So now I, I'm done with the, <laughs> with the school lesson about accounting. Okay, so that's the over, overview of accounting. Yeah, that, that's that's the absolute basics of accounting. Of course, there are many intricacies, uh, including taxes and stuff like that. Uh, but that's not the scope here. <laughs> now, my proposal and my idea is based on the balance sheet because the balance sheet is an internationally recognized means of communicating financial state. Thus, it makes perfect sense to have this balance sheet on the blockchain because on the blockchain, you can post this balance sheet and then you can use it to show people um, how your position is, how your state is. And then they can trust you because they see that you speak the truth. So my idea of putting the balance sheet on the blockchain as a smart contract elaborates on that. Hmm. Because as you can see in this very big clustered <laughs> image, <laughs> you have the balance sheet still in the background. 
the balance sheet is still there. It just has the active side and the passive side with the assets and the capital and liabilities. But now everything's a bit differently structured. Now we don't have accounts anymore. Now all of these accounts are tokens. These can be NFTs, non-fungible tokens, or they can be native assets, or it can be simple ADA. And there are many different approaches to that because these, token, these tokens are just starting to fulfill their potential. Yeah. And one of the potentials I see is that you can take your company. It doesn't really have to be a company. It can also be like a joint ownership or shared ownership. And then you can have uh, certain owners that create ownership tokens. And these ownership tokens come out of a locking contract, which is like the overarching smart contract that holds the balance sheet, mm -hmm. which is kind of symbolized by this gray ellipse in the background, Okay. which basically holds all of the, the interesting things. Like in the example before, we still have the machine and the asset, asset Y. And now if we would want to do this transaction we, I showed before, I would start a swap out of this locking contract. And a swap is also a typical way of uh, exchange. For example, I would swap this for ADA. So I would take all of these, uh, take these assets out of the, uh, the balance sheet, put them in a swap, and then mm -hmm. the swap can return some ADA. And that would be a very nice way of having a balance sheet that is also dynamic, that can change its state and do it verifiably because the whole balance sheet is still visible on the blockchain because the, that's the magic part of it. <laughs> when when you me, say dynamic balance sheet, do you mean that that balance sheet is kind of automatically updated? Is that what you mean by it being dynamic? Yes, in a way, because the balance sheet and the actual assets are intertwined. They are the same in a way. Yeah, yeah. Because okay. they are both in the smart contract and they are pretty much the same. And the interesting idea is, that you alleviate the balance sheet because previously it was a reporting tool. It was basically a list saying, okay, we have this and this and this mm -hmm. and our CPA or accountant said, that's right, that we really have that. And then some um, third party auditor can come along and say, oh yes, yes, they really do have that. So people can believe that they really have that stuff that they say they have. Gotcha, gotcha. So, so it's a way of reporting. And in this way, it's more than that. It's the actual core of the company. It's the assets. And at the same time, it's a way of reporting these things. So can you just quickly elaborate? So when you say, so this is going to be the asset for the company, is that because, yeah, what do you mean on that? I'm just trying to wrap my yeah, head yeah. around so, that particular part. So the company uh, owns a set of assets. Yeah. And uh, these assets are typically in some warehouse. And now the, the company is referring to these assets in their balance sheet as having them. Yeah, tokenizing those assets that yeah, live exactly. on this belt. Okay, so the assets themselves, so typically the assets would be shown on this balance sheet, but it's just writing the information about this particular asset. But because you're tokenizing the asset and that token is expressed on this balance sheet, that is literally the asset as well in its tokenized yes. form? Yes, in a way, yes. Okay, I'm tr I'm trying to I'm trying to think really hard because this is not my uh, my my yeah, domain. I know. It's, I'm thinking. It's a very I think yeah. It's, I think it's absorbing into my my brain. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I can maybe put another example of this, and then it, it's easier to understand. Like I also have this property NFT down there. Mm -hmm. So, for example, um, the the contract 
uh, which says you own this property yep. can also be tokenized and put on the blockchain. Gotcha. And maybe some external pricing oracle can then determine the price of this property mm -hmm. and infuse this price into the NFT somehow. That's um, the other projects that aim to do just that. Uh, and now something like that could be stored in this balance sheet and could show that you own this and then you can have certain rights combined with that, like rental and all of those stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, this could also be stored in the balance sheet and then transacted out of this balance sheet. And uh, this is this is the really interesting part because now you can just have like a property and without really making a big company or something like that, share this, uh, this property with multiple people because this property could be stored in the balance sheet mm -hmm. and now the, the company or the balance sheet could be owned by uh, you, me and a third party or something like that. And um, this is something where many different assets can be locked into and used in. For mm -hmm. example, I could literally put all of my inventory, all of my things into the balance sheet. For example, I could have an NFT for my phone and then this NFT is actually an ownership token, which is the next thing. Like this is basically a way to say, okay, I own something else. And this ownership token refers to the next balance sheet. And this balance sheet would hold maybe um, my data plan and maybe Spotify or something like that. And then you have this whole cascade of things that can be stored and be referenced and everything could be stored in this balance sheet. Okay. Like okay. This is pretty much the, the, the vision of it. The macro vision. Okay. So from what you've just said now, this could, this balance sheet could be applicable to any entity. So it could be from like a, from a company perspective, a, like an NGO perspective, but also as an individual, I could have my individual balance sheet. And I'm thinking of it kind of like as a, this like master database, which stores all these assets of yours. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's also comparable to some kind of wallet. Like you have your purse and you have your money in there, but now you also have your house in there. Gotcha. Okay. So if we're comparing it to a wallet, what, how does it, how is it different to a wallet then? The average wallet doesn't really allow that much of a shared ownership. That's not so something that common. And this is easier to be done in something in, the, in this kind of format because it's more recognizable by financial parties and by companies and they can work better with that because there are already tools how to uh, evaluate such a balance sheet and how to understand it and that that's the main advantage okay so at the moment the a wallet is kind of recording your crypto tokens like could the wallet as we know the crypto wallet at the moment could it evolve into a form that is like what you're talking about now it could go in this direction or it could still serve the same purpose like the wallet does right now yeah and use this to add on some features because this is especially powerful when you start to nest it like you use this and then you have another one of that in, inside there. Like you have ownership tokens in your smart contract and these actually have another uh, balance sheet in there and another balance sheet and another balance sheet. You have those nested constructs that can create hierarchies of uh, ownership. Like in the very small example of the house, you or like the phone, you can have the phone and then you can have certain parts of it that are rented. 
there are many different directions many use to go cases, yeah, my, my mind is kind of going <laughs> <laughs> yeah this, this was kind of my intention of having this nice graphic and the visual part because i can imagine that but i want other people to see that as well and that that gray ellipse what's that gray ellipse you, you mentioned it but I, i forgot what you said what's the, the yeah the gray ellipse kind mm -hmm. of uh, symbolizes the the balance sheet smart contract and you see there are two more ellipses Mm -hmm. And these uh, represent other smart contracts, like the orange, like the yellowish one represents a swap. Mm -hmm. So your assets can be taken out of the balance sheet and put into a swap and then swap for something else, like a typical transaction. Yeah. And then you can also have like pricing oracles, or you could have some central authority that annually collects like a snapshot of the balance sheet where you would maybe send a transaction with attached metadata that encapsulates the whole image. Something like that could be possible. But all of these things are up for the future right now. Yeah. I'm still working on the balance sheet to get the, the basics done. Okay, just a quick question while we've got this diagram up. So if that diagram, that, that gray ellipse with the various circles inside of it represents one uh, uh, balance sheet smart contract. So if there's another smart contracts, another ellipse, um, you're talking about how you could have like these shared assets or shared kind of NFTs. How would that be expressed, say, in the in the smart contract? So I'm, I'm pointing to the screen as if people can see what I'm pointing to, but it's, <laughs> it's not very helpful. Um, let's say that property NFT is shared between you and me. How, is there just like, a, so it's not, it can't be a copy on my balance sheet. It's just, a, I don't know, it's probably a silly question. Yeah. So it's a bit, no, no, it's a very good question because that's, that's a part where I tweaked a bit of the reality gotcha. because the whole balance sheet, you can't really express it like that on the blockchain. Yeah, that's It doesn't make sense in the blockchain concept, but I still wanted to do it like that in order to maintain the, uh, the flow. Gotcha. So all of the tokens on the right side actually would not be in the balance sheet itself. They would be in someone else's wallet or in someone else's balance sheet, like the red and the um, purple tokens on the right side, these tokens would be in someone else's wallet and they would represent the ownership of the balance sheet. Mm -hmm. Or in the liability, they would refer to um, uh, cash flow demands to this balance sheet. So how to nest them? Of course, you can see on the left side, I have this red and this uh, purple circle is there as well, but with the yellow out, mm. out, out right. And they would represent some balance sheet ownership, uh, balance sheet ownership or some liability ownership. Gotcha. So that would be the way of um, describing something like that. That's quite a powerful idea. This that idea of nesting these things and having so many different different layers to it and it's um i mean the more it grows the more interesting it becomes because you can start to apply it to real world scenarios and it's just very interesting um, my first idea with this was a car where okay. for example i had a renault in mind um, and there's a special one an electric one where you rent the battery every month because you don't want to buy the battery so something like that you have have your car in the balance sheet and then you have the parts which are yep. one thing and then the battery which is another but the battery you don't own ah. you're basically paying interest on that like you can have items 
which you only partially own. Hmm. So, so this wasn't possible before, obviously. I mean, it wasn't impossible, but it was uh, com connected with a lot of hassle. Yeah. Because uh, you would have to rewrite contracts, you would redefine stuff. And uh, if this is done correctly, you can basically buy the thing that contains things that belong to other people. And Yes. Wow. That would be... I think that's a quite interesting concept to explore a bit on. Yeah, and just to clarify, so for that to happen, you, so that wouldn't be allowed to happen without NFTs, right? So you, you, uh, yeah, NFTs would be a mean to do that. Yeah, so these tokenizing, say, the battery of a car, that token would have to be one that can't be duplicated. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so just on that, I think it's kind of cool to just pause and be like, this NFT craze that we're in at the moment, they are more than just these cool little JPEG NFTs like art forms or uh, LeBron James slam dunking and then that being an NBA top shot moment. This okay. NFT thing is a lot larger than that. And, and we're just you're just talking about a few different examples. Like you have this, this high contrast of a LeBron James NFT versus like a battery in a car. Like there's the yeah. probably complete opposite size of the NFT spectrum, but they all part of that same same family. It's kind of mind blowing, really. It's just a concept I still have to explore a lot because um, it has so many implications, and you can just interpret a lot of things into it. Yeah, and it's it's very interesting. Okay, so you've you've talked about one interesting. Uh, potential use case for this have you got uh, any other potential real world use cases so that we can absorb this concept into our brains just a little bit further yes sure i mean the main idea behind it is basically to have a set of assets that can be uh, bundled and then um, split up in on different owners like the shared ownership part and this is also a concept which is very interesting for companies because of course they have um, a lot of things and uh, a lot of different kinds of assets and they have to be distributed to many people because now you can also restrict asset, um, restrict access to certain functions of this, um, this balance sheet. Like you could have the CEO token, the accountant token, the I don't know what token, many different tokens that control different parts of this balance sheet. And like that, you could have shared ownership with shared rights to this ownership. And this is where you really get into the corporate side of things, because now this gets really close to something that can capture the whole like financial part of a company. And then you can have really a complete company on the blockchain. And, and this, this balance sheet is kind of like at the very heart of all of that activity. Exactly, because it's basically just a very small block that then can be stacked upon, a, um, like then it can be stacked in many different layers and um, like building blocks. And you can start to use it as uh, building out a bigger picture. And this is so fascinating. Uh, I, I didn't think five years ago I'd be a, hosting a podcast about cryptocurrency, but also B, be talking about accounting and, and, also, be, <laughs> and also being excited about it. Uh, that's a very foreign idea to me. <laughs> I mean, um, cryptocurrency has a very interesting path for all of us. <laughs> <laughs>
Have you always been interested, just to take a step back, have you always um, been interested in accounting or, or is this more you saw a particular problem that you wanted to solve? Um, no, no, of course, I have always <laughs> been an, interested in accounting. Uh, this is just um, something that came out of university in a way. So I joined the cryptocurrency space 2017 when I was uh, still in high school. And back then I bought my first couple of coins with pocket money and I just immediately got hooked because the technology was so interesting. Yeah. And I saw so many potentials and then I came across Cardano and it was over. Like right. <laughs> I was completely sold. When did you come and across Cardano? I think it was quite early, um, um, maybe early 2018, something like that. Like yeah. around the big uh, first um, initial price spike. Yeah. And then it, I was just so interested and I learned a lot about it and, and um, started to think about ways to apply this to the world I knew. Yeah. And then I graduated high school and I was thinking, okay, what can I do in university? And of course, blockchain and cryptocurrencies came along and I thought, oh yes, I need to do something to connect cryptocurrencies with the real world, uh, like the, the legacy world. Yeah. And I chose like information systems management because this is like on the cross point. Like in Germany, it's called a bit different and it makes a bit more sense. It's like economics and computer science. And it really brings together those parts. And um, one of my first courses actually was accounting. And I thought, ah, okay, this is an interesting system because it's very logical and it's fairly easy to understand. Mm -hmm. Of course, there are a few quirks that are a bit complicated, but it's uh, relatively easy to absorb and it has a strict protocol on which it relies. It's, so it's, it's a perfect candidate to put into a program. Gotcha. And then I started to think, okay, how can I do this? And then, um, then Ideascale came along and Project Catalyst and uh, the idea started to form. And then I was looking, okay, how can I bring it in there? And for me, the balance sheet was the most obvious way of doing that because the balance sheet has the accounts and the accounts make up pretty much everything. And that basically brought me to this idea. <laughs> and yeah. the interest for accounting in general, because it can be a pretty dry topic when you see it only as reporting. Yeah, but when you're talking yeah. about it, having similarities to wallet, like from what you're saying at the moment, it's, it's like a, a wallet on steroids. But when you think of it that way, if you compare it to wallet, a wallet isn't a dry concept. People are very excited about wallets because it stores exactly. your assets and you like keeping track of it and it's fun and, and very important. So in that sense, it's it's not really a dry thing. It's It can store all of these assets, these exciting things from Tesla car batteries to Bitcoin to ADA to LeBron James, NBA top shot. Like it's, it's like the opposite of dry when you think of it like that. Exactly. Okay. So mentioned at the beginning that you received uh, funding from uh, Project Catalyst Fund 3. Now that that has happened, what is the roadmap like for this, for this project of yours moving forward? So yes, of course, I can't build the whole thing myself. I'm very realistic about that one. But um, what I can do and what I actually said on um, uh, Project Catalyst is that I want to build a prototype for this and uh, like 
a minimal viable product. And for me, this is having this balance sheet as some kind of a locking contract that takes a set amount of assets as input, uh, then holds it, can swap these assets during the, the course of a year or something like that, like a given time interval. And then after a given time, it can be foreclosed. Like you foreclose a company, but in this time you would like unlock this balance sheet and then all of the assets that would be in the balance sheet would be returned to the initial owner. And in the first idea, it would be just one owner, multiple assets and uh, swaps and then closing again. And also I want to um, layer on a logging solution that provides the record as it would be defined by the double entry bookkeeping um, method. So that there is um, this kind of paper trail that is corresponding to the legacy system. So it's easier to combine those two. So this is the minimal, minimal viable project um, product that I want to build. And right now I'm doing the Plutus Pioneers course because um, of course smart contracts on ADA on Cardano aren't really a thing yet, but they are coming soon. And uh, I think the course is until June and I hope I can finish the, the project until August, latest, probably a bit sooner. And at the same time, I'm starting to grow a community. Uh, I also or I already found some people who are interested in the idea. And uh, we are starting to do meetups on Ooh, cool. Tuesday, I think 1430 UTC on Discord. So ah. <laughs> drop by if you want to. I might uh, pop um, in on, on, the, on that one. So it's weekly? Yeah, exactly. We are still figuring out a lot of things and uh, announcement in amount, announcements in these directions come soon. Exciting. Okay. But yes, a lot of things happening and um, that's pretty much the roadmap. Uh, like first get out the minimal viable project uh, product and um, also I think about how to utilize metadata in mm -hmm. a good way that would be but that would be another proposal mm. maybe someone else wants to do that but that's stuff uh, that will come out of those tuesday meetings <laughs> so these tuesday meetings is this kind of a larger community or is this like a like a, a team like a kind now of it's just for now it's just uh two people but it's we already have a few more members under, undergoing but it yeah. will start to grow as uh, people are interested in it. Yeah, and so the community, you're building that. What platforms are you trying to build that on? So you mentioned Discord. Um, for now, it's just the, the Catalyst Discord. I have a channel there uh, for decentralized oh, accounting. Okay. So um, feel free to drop by there, drop some comments. Yeah, um, for sure. Also, idea scale is a way to communicate. Yeah. But uh, it's very much the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the beginning for, you know, so many people in so many industries, like at a macro level, this, we are still just in the beginning, this whole thing, cryptocurrency, blockchain, all of that. We are all in the beginning. Exciting. Okay. So, so the meetup is open to kind of anyone. I might include that link wherever I, wherever I put this and I, I myself might try and pop in because that's one thing I personally want to do as well, just generally is meet more people in the space. And that, I think the best way to do that is with these virtual meetups because it's 
a more personal connection because I can see you, I can hear you, you're engaging more of your senses and, and you really um, start to build these, these friendships with people that obviously share a similar vision to you. Okay, um, so the MVP, the minimum viable product is, is a big one. So in terms of putting that together, is that just yourself at the moment or are you working in collaboration with a couple of other people as well? So for now, it's just myself, but I've also heard interest of other people who want to um, participate in that. But for the minimal viable product, I think I can manage it. But of course, more people is always better because then everyone has ideas and can put features on top of it. And something like that lives off the features. Like mm. the core product is, of course, interesting, but all of the features make it awesome. Yeah. Like having something like taxes and then maybe individuals who can tweak this for the individual country taxes and, and stuff like that. That's where something like this starts to shine. Yeah, that's where it, that's where the accounting becomes sexy. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that could be your tagline, making accounting sexy with the card on it. Okay. Oh, um, oh yes. That's <laughs> Um, since you've gone through this project catalyst process, you have submitted a proposal, you've been voted on, uh, and you've received enough votes to actually receive some funding. Do you have any tips for other people that are, have an idea, have, an, have a concept, they're within the Cardano community and they're thinking of submitting a proposal themselves? Do you have any tips for them? Oh, yes. So um, the first tip is uh, don't give up if something seems too intimidating at first. I mean, I'm in this phase right now because recently we had this cohort meeting and all of the big names were there, like Dor was there and it was like, okay, okay, I'm just a small student and I uh, do my proposal here and then we have uh, like Dwayne and um, all of the big names, I would say, and it was quite an honor to be with them and um, to be part of that and it was a bit intimidating, I would say, mm -hmm. but it was it was a great experience, and it is still. And um, also, I would say, don't think that the idea is too stupid in the beginning, because first, when I thought about it, okay, yeah, accounting. I'm I'm not an accountant. How can I do this justice? And stuff like that. A lot of self doubt came up, but in the end, it's just important to just move on and uh, just to try it and. I saw a lot of people was were enthusiastic about the idea and that was really empowering for me. Mm -hmm. uh, also, I saw in the vote that a lot of people were not happy with the idea. I got a lot of this downvotes uh, and I can really relate to that because I understand that trusting some student uh, with building something like that is, uh, is a big leap of fate. Um, and I see that a lot of people don't um, want to take that. But also I saw that a lot of people were interested in it and uh, that's, that's important. Yeah, I mean, there's never got to exist a, a proposal or an idea that's so perfect that literally everyone's got to give it an upvote. Those concepts don't exist. And the good thing about Cardano and all these other DAOs out there is this idea that you're putting that up to everyone and everyone can have equal vote and you got to get some up votes you got to get some down votes but at the end of the day there's got to be a consensus and depending on that consensus you're going to get funding or not but yeah the, the idea around 
perhaps not feeling super confident about your idea and, you know, is this a bad idea? Am I going to do it justice? I'm only a student. Like, I think that that feeling is something that everyone on this planet can relate to, including myself. Exactly. Like I, my background is in architecture. Two years ago, I decided to stop that, focus on my passion, which is wildlife conservation. I started a, a podcast, started building up my social media brand that also coincided with this cryptocurrency movement. Um, so now I'm trying to figure out how to combine the two somehow. And myself, I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I'm an architect. I'm trying to do crypto. I'm trying to do conservation. Like, maybe this isn't for me, but I, you just kind of have to have an action bias and just, just go for it, really. But it is reassuring when, when you get that positive feedback from different people. Exactly. Um, and I'm hearing your thoughts and I'm, I'm saying like, I think it's cool. Like I'm getting excited about it. So I hope that, I hope that, I hope that uh, is reassuring for you. Cause I, I think there's a lot to it. Uh, there's a lot of positive upside for this concept. Yeah. I mean, the whole cryptocurrency space is about potential and realizing it because when you get involved with Cardano and you start to see Charles doing his uh, presentations and, yeah. and everything, it's just, you get this very, very interesting view on the world and mm. you see, start to see opportunities and it's just so wonderful to be here and participate in that. That's yeah. Yeah. Also so the people you meet, it's, it's so awesome. I had um, upcoming to getting funding. I had a lot of meetings with people and it was also always very interesting to hear their opinions and ideas. And it really helped me to develop my perspective on this. And um, that's something I would very much recommend. If you have opportunities to speak with people, do it. It's, yeah. I mean, you can get a lot, very isolated with Corona at the moment, but mm use every option yeah which is why i'm very appreciative of this technology like we exactly we're, we're physically isolated a significant part of the world but we are fortunate that we have this technology where we can at least connect at this level and so uh, yeah definitely pretty grateful for that so just elaborate on you know you talk about cardano and when you hear charles speak it's quite inspiring and opens your eyes to all these possibilities um why did you decide to develop this concept on Cardano? Is there a couple of key reasons why? Of course, the academic approach. I mean, so far as I can see nothing like it on in the industry. And that's just the selling point for me because mm. I have the feeling that I can trust that Cardano will be there in 50 years and maybe even 100 years. And I, I don't know how long, but hopefully it will never end. <laughs> yeah. But I have this sense of trust and so far this trust hasn't been shattered and this is just like the core concept the trust in the system because we in the cryptocurrency industry we want to get rid of trust for intermediaries but we still need trust we need trust in the network mm, yeah. and for me this trust in the network lies with cardano yeah i can definitely see that so that focus on you know, the scientific approach, this research focus approach, this academic approach, that is a big reason why I love Cardano. There's heaps of different reasons, but that's a big reason for me. As a byproduct of that often is that things evolve slowly. They evolve potentially slowly, but they evolve. It's been a very thorough and vigorous process to evolve, but 
sometimes there can be a slow, slow process. And for me, I like that. That is a, that's a big reason why I like it. I think this Cardano cryptocurrency blockchain is literally changing the world. And it doesn't make any sense if, if we have a technology that is so powerful, it's not going to happen overnight. It has to be a slow, slower transition because there's so many variables, there's so many moving parts. And so when, you, when we get these promises of life-changing things at the flick of your fingers, that's always a red flag to me. But other people view this, this slow approach as a negative. Like you always hear that, kind of like where's the products? Like they, they exist, but they always are critical of this slow approach. But for me, that's the reason why I like it. <laughs> and that's, I think exactly, a lot yeah. of people share that same mentality. Yeah, it's like this. I heard Charles in a recent YouTube video. He, he said a quote that I think his friend said, you know, sometimes the, the fast way is the slow way. And that's pretty much what it is, right? Yeah, sometimes and I mean, the fast way is the slow way. Even, even the slow way of Cardano uh, is pretty fast. Yeah, it's not, even, it. it's not even slow at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they picked it as slow or like, I mean, it's, it's really not. Yeah. Because as soon as you really try to absorb it, you just feel how fast it goes. Mm. And a lot of people are very unhappy with the progress updates and that they um, always say, oh, things get delayed. But I mean, that's um, unrealistic to think that nothing, that everything works perfectly and everything is super fast. I mean, I think it is very reassuring that things don't always work the way they do. Yeah. Because that shows that learning is happening and this mindset is just so healthy. Yeah, like nothing nothing is going to work perfectly. Well, hey, the concept of perfect doesn't exist. That's my least favorite word in the universe is perfect because it's just, it just doesn't exist. But like even like Elon Musk with his rockets, they're doing a lot of these these rocket tests at the moment and he was on mm, he was on a podcast and he's like I don't expect them to come back and down perfectly. Like we are expecting them to explode. We are running these experiments because we're trying to figure out what's wrong. We, we're trying to optimize this rocket. And if there aren't any issues, if there aren't any little things that go wrong, then there, there are no ways for you to make changes and optimize the product. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's very interesting. I love Cardano. I'm glad you, you're, <laughs> you've decided to, uh, to develop this concept on on this blockchain. Yes, I'm very much looking forward to the future and I'm so excited to see all the different things that will eventually come out of this. Hmm. So on the future, what are some some ideas whether it's just in, you know, this accounting project that you're working on at the moment or even cryptocurrency in general, Cardano in general, what are some things that you're really excited about with this technology? Um, the slow moving into my everyday life, like having this slow push into this area. Uh, I don't expect this to be this year or next year, but like eventually over the course of the next 10 years, the slow emergence of, of projects that really involve the people on the street. For us, we are all part of this like bubble in a way and you get hyped and you have I have knowledge of this uh, cryptocurrency thing. But for people outside, I always hear ah, the power consumption is so, so enormous and and skeptical and about Bitcoin and just this slow emergence in the in the general society. And this is something I'm very excited and uh, a bit more concrete or like 
particular, I'm very excited about the governance model and mm. especially that uh, Cardano wants to make this very available for my proposal or the project. It is very interesting because when you have a complex governance model already baked into the chain, you can utilize this at every step of the way. For example, ownership tokens can be much more powerful and much more versatile with some governance construct underneath them. And this is, I'm very much looking forward to that. Yeah, that's a, so that governance thing. So you mentioned you're excited about the fact that you can use it in your project eventually, but anyone that builds on Cardano can adopt that as well exactly. because it's baked in. And yeah, I don't want to go like super, you know, Cardano is awesome. Because if you're watching this, because <laughs> you're watching this podcast, like you probably have an inclination for that feeling anyway. But this is a byproduct of this slow ways, the fast way approach. And this is a byproduct of all this, all these features, this, this governance structure that is baked into it, where anyone that builds on it can reuse this thing. Like it's, oh, it's so cool. Like speaking of that governance thing, fun three was the, I've been a fan of Cardano since early 2018 as well, but fun three was the first time I voted and I had everything set up and I'm in Perth, Australia at the moment. And the fun three started voting at like 3 a.m. my time. And so I set an alarm, I woke up <laughs> and I voted, uh, woke up at 3 a.m. to vote. And when you compare that to voting in our traditional <laughs> system, yeah, I've never been excited about voting. I've, I've never been excited about voting in part because I don't necessarily agree with the system. And it's just, it's just not exciting at all contrast that with cardano or crypto i woke up i set an alarm at 3 a.m to vote like that is that speaks volumes like that is that is crazy that that yeah. is the world that we're living in at the moment people are vote, waking up at 3 a.m to, to to vote in this governance system it's exciting <laughs> yeah it's exciting that's the word <laughs> um to finish off are there any words that you'd like to, to leave or any topics you'd like to touch on before we finish it up? Ooh, uh, I think we covered most things, yeah. at least uh, on my side with the proposal. Um, of course, I can invite everyone to, um, uh, to drop by my proposal or the Discord uh, server just to say hello or to say, okay, you're doing this thing wrong. You should do it better that way. Always interested in constructive critique. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So if you have ideas, share them. It's always good. Okay. And so that's on the Discord. It's the, the Catalyst Discord. So there's the big um, Project Catalyst Discord server. I think it's, it's linked through Ideascale. And in there, you have to search a bit. It's uh, down there with F3 uh, proposals. Uh, there I have like a, a text channel and also an audio channel and stuff. That's the... At the moment, the central way of communication. Okay, so that's the best way to reach out to you. Um, I'll put yeah. all those links uh, down below. <laughs> down below, I feel very YouTube. Yeah, down below. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'll put them in the YouTube description and podcast description. All of those links. I also have um, like LinkedIn and uh, I think Instagram, if you want oh, okay. to cool. drop by there. So if they want to slide into your DM, uh, they can do so. Exactly. <laughs> okay, cool. 
All right. Well, thank you very much for your time. Very exciting times ahead. Perhaps we can touch base again on another podcast as this project evolves. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please feel free to subscribe and leave a review. And also check us out on Twitter and YouTube as well with the handle at Cardano Source. Uh, if you've listened all the way through this podcast, you'll probably notice that we were referencing a visual kind of presentation PDF. So if you're uh, interested in checking that out as well, uh, I'll include the PDF link in the podcast description. Thanks again, and I hope to see you in the next episode.